Welcome to When Pigs Fly. We're a podcast that's uncovering Cincinnati's rich business history dating back from the 1800s to today. We talk to companies to learn the ups and downs of entrepreneurship, what it takes to grow a successful business, and to simply prost to future innovation. I'm one of your co-hosts, Allie Martin. And I'm your other co-host, Patrick Bailey. And this is obviously a very exciting episode because it is our first episode of 2022. We're really looking forward to moving forward with this new year. We did decide to take a little bit of a two-week hiatus for a health and wellness check, so to speak. Uh, But we are both looking forward to what this year has to hold. Yes, glad to be back here. Super excited for all our plans for this podcast this year, Um, but I'm excited for our very first guest. Yes, and with that, we really wanted to start this year out on a fun, upbeat note by bringing in a comedian for our very first segment. Even though we've been receiving some pretty sad news in the world of comedy these days, number one being Betty White's passing at the age of 99 at the end of 2021. But believe it or not, while we were recording this podcast, we received news of Bob Saget's passing at the age of 65. So our goal moving forward with this segment is to bring in some good 2020 comedic mojo and juju for our Cincinnati comedian Tabari McCoy. Tabari is truly one of the funniest guys I know. He's been doing stand-up for roughly 15 years. He's also had the opportunity to partake in many comedy festivals, such as San Francisco Sketch Fest and North Carolina Comedy Arts Festival. He himself also has his own podcast where he interviews other comedians called A Tight 45. So that's a fun listen if you're interested in learning more about comedy. So with that said, we really hope you enjoy this episode and let's bring him in. You know, we thought it would be fun to start the new year. You know, after two years, we're still in the middle of this pandemic, starting it light, starting it fresh, talking about comedy uh, and the business of comedy a little bit yes. as well and your story. So we appreciate you coming on board for this. Oh, thank you. It's a Sunday afternoon. Uh, it's cold. It's wet. It's damp. I'm single, so I have literally nowhere else to be. This is perfect. What am I going to do? Like, right Allie now, and I like can the, relate. The NFL right now has what I call the JV squads because either all the teams have clinched yep. a playoff spot, a spot, and they're like, well, we're not going to try and risk any more injuries, or it's a bunch of, well, we should have tried harder. Now we got to go out here and try again. So, Yep. But, yeah, it's scrimmage, and it's a toss-up of who's going to win the Super Bowl, but we don't need to go down that road. I just need a Bengals playoff win. I have said this about my Cincinnati sports teams. I refuse to become emotionally invested until somebody (laughs) wins a playoff game, which is why I, as I've talked about on my own podcast quite a bit, uh, I am a sports polygamist. Uh, you are non-committal. You are non-committal. For the listeners, because you are a comedian, there's a good chance that we could just be derailing during this podcast oh, at yes. any moment. Yep. So bear with us on this. But I've had Ali on twice, and oh, it has yeah. never gone straight. It has just been a random flow. I hope oh, you're ready, oh. Patrick. Oh, I am so ready. I love this already. Well, I think this is the beauty behind this, right? So, Tabari, you are a comedian. You're a writer. You're a film critic. You know, like you said, you like sports. You can pretty much talk about a little bit of everything. You're a podcast host. All the above. But we're really excited to talk about your experience in comedy Um, And you've had the opportunity to open for some bigger names like Tom Segura, Tony Rock, et cetera, et cetera. And before we dive into that, let's kind of backtrack a little bit and talk about how you got into comedy. 
Well, uh, I can do that because I know my story because I'm me. Uh, so um, I always tell people, and I had to tell people under like 35, I used to work at a newspaper, which is like an iPad that you turn with your hands. Um, so um, I have been a long-standing fan of stand-up comedy. Um and I was, a, and I remember the comedy special that hooked me, and it's a little bit of a bittersweet memory now because the person that hooked me on comedy, let's just say they used to be known as America's dad, and now apparently oh, no. they're they're America's creepy uncle. Um, so uh, I remember I was at a department store, and they were showing a certain comedian stand-up special starring himself. Hint. Mm. Um, and uh, I just remember watching it, and I've always said. That I like stand-up comedy for two reasons. One, um, stand-up is like where I feel like the one place left in America, and it's gotten even worse with the onset of talk radio, uh, mm. cable television news, and everything else, and especially the internet and social media, where you can say what you want and you can make a you can make a very serious point in a humorous way. George Carlin and Richard Pryor, of course, are two names that come to mind with doing that great. Um, and you can just, you know, talk about your day, talk about your life, and be entertaining to random strangers, and uh, it's cool. And then, of course, um, I also say uh, I like stand-up because it's hard to be sad when you're laughing. You can see people cry from laughing, but you rarely see the reverse. Like anybody that you see crying, you know, and then start laughing, that's a psychopath and they've probably got bodies in the basement. Then again, I could be projecting because I've been watching Jessica Jones and The Punisher on my friend's Netflix account because I ain't paying. Uh, oh, smart uh, move, smart man. Uh, that's right. Uh, yes, mm -hmm. uh, it's friends and family. Yep, uh, yep. So maybe I've just been watching too many people investigating murders and family problems, but... Um, I like comedy also because it's like, you know, it, you can go up and you can say something and it can be funny and entertaining, but it can be mm. poignant and relevant. And yeah, singers, you have to be able to actually sing. Um, mm. I mean, you know, you, you can't go up. Sort and, of. Auto-tune well, has changed the game for well, that one. Well, yeah, so. I know. Um, we ain't even going to get <laughs> on my... Don't yeah, get yeah, me on we a, don't need... Don't, yeah. don't get me on a Kanye rant, please. Yeah, I was about um, to say. Um, and just all that terribleness. Uh, but... You have to be able to, like, and humor shows, like, a little bit of intelligence, um, with a little bit of wit. You know, you can be sharp, on, quick on your feet, as they say, quick-witted. Um, but also, uh, I know this, 90% of comedians are people who've had some type of trauma in their life where they uh, needed the approval of others or a way to either feel special or feel accepted or a way to just be like, I want someone to listen, and if I can be funny, um, I can do this, and they'll listen to me. Um, it can be a deflection tool. Um, Feel you know. free not to answer this question, but oh, yes. what was... What was that moment, I guess, or trauma? Oh, uh, uh, Tabari McCoy has had uh, many, many terrible situations with ladies in his life. Uh, Tabari McCoy uh, has been like, he was the smart black kid in a non-black environment when he was growing up and going to school. Mm -hmm. uh, he was, uh, if anybody is a fan of 90s hip hop, uh, he basically could have wrote The Far Side's Passing Me By and wrote several <laughs> sequels. Uh, so uh, getting a chance to go up as an only child growing up to go on stage and have people that would have to, that were going to listen and then actually be able yeah. to be funny and entertaining and they want to listen um yeah so that would be my truth I, I mean i i mean uh let's see i'm a single black dude in america how much trauma do you want well 
Here we go. How much time do you have? You know, but to answer your original question, because, uh, see, I remember these things. I know I rant sometimes, but I'm going to get back to it. Hey, we uh, warned people. We yeah, warned people. That's true. That's right. Um, mm. I started off at a newspaper that no longer exists, RIP Sin Weekly. Um mm. And here in Cincinnati, Ohio, for anybody that might be listening, I don't know where you're at. You could be out in Poughkeepsie, New York. Shout out to y'all. Um, uh, the I hope, I hope we have a listener the out there. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm just saying. So I wanted to do a story on the local stand-up comedy scene. And as part of that story, I said, I'm going to go do an open mic. Now, I have wanted to do stand-up literally, see, this is like, this is like 2006. I have been wanting to do stand-up for like 20 years at this point. Uh, I said, okay, I'm going to do this. I did the story, um, and I went up and did my first open mic. And looking back, the material, nowhere near polished. The jokes, nowhere near where they needed to be. It never is. It never is. But people laughed, and it became Mm -hmm. instantly, like, addictive. You've been on stage Mm -hmm. for a lot of your career. So so did you just naturally build up your public, like, I guess... Well, I mean, overcome like a fear of public speaking. A lot of people have a fear of public speaking, right? That's always crazy to me, too, because it's like I would and I would the bigger the crowd, the more amped and the more on, quote unquote, I am. Oh, wow. Um, Because I have done shows down here in Cincinnati at Sawyer Point. I've been at the Taft Theater opening for Tig Notaro. I've been in crowds in front of like two, maybe twenty five hundred people. Those for me are the best ones. Because I'm like, oh, I'm getting this many people to, to entertain and possibly remember my name? I'm going all in. I'm going hard in the paint, son, uh, mm. as they used to say. Um, I have done shows where I've had to do 45 minutes for four people. And at that point in time, you're like, I mean, we could... Anything that comes to mind. It is, yeah. Uh, people think that, like, you know, getting up in front of a large crowd is something... You ask most comics, we would rather do that large crowd than be sitting there. And especially, I remember I was in San Antonio, Texas, and it was 2015, and I was doing a Sunday night show. And it, and if you've never been to Texas or San Antonio, it's hot. Now, I know people talk about like the South is hot. People said it's a dry heat. When it's 89 degrees at 11 p.m., there is no dry heat. It's just hot. Uh, like, I saw roaches in Texas that... Right, right, yes. And I had never seen roaches outside of a zoo, and I saw them out front of the of the hotel. It was a nice hotel. I think they were just there because there was shade. They were like, look, you go in your room. We ain't even going to mess with you. We just need to shade. Like, uh, But I was doing a Sunday night show for 18 people in a room that seats 450. When, oh. Yeah, when you have that few people... In a room, and you can hear everyone ordering like nachos and asking like, "Is the Pepsi flat or not?" Like, it just you're like, "Yeah, right." <laughs> I mean, yes, you're just sitting there like, "Well, I traveled across a two time zones, uh, got on a plane with hopes and dreams of people being like building up a fan base, and there's there's fewer people here than maybe in line at the self checkout at the grocery store right now." Well, so here's what happens. Uh, a couple things. Now, see, that question goes into a couple of different segments because, first, 
Comedy is the least respected art form there is. Uh, that's why most stand-up comedians hate the TikTok people. Um, mm. Because, yeah, mm-hmm, yep. Because uh, it's one thing if you're making a video that's 30 seconds long that you're editing and you're playing off of a popular trend or that'll be gone in like a week. Yeah, uh, like the current, uh, this will tell people when we're recording this one, uh, the current 10-year uh, challenge, uh, I'm like, there, there's no challenge. You got a decade older. Post your picture and shut up. Like, there's no challenge. But, like, <laughs> people on TikTok now, they can just follow a trend or they make, like, they, like here's some music. Here's a goofy dance. Here's me doing whatever for 15 seconds. And, well, uh, well, right. But here's the problem. Uh, a lot of comedy clubs are doing what the music business has done. Whereas the music business used to go out and find an artist in that Star is Born fashion where you have this unknown talent singing at this local uh, mm. hole-in-the-wall bar and then this, this Asian rock star or whatever. Right. Yeah. They, they Now um, it's like, okay, let's see here. Well, we don't want to have to develop anybody because we don't want to have to worry about the music. Besides, this person's already got... 2 million followers on YouTube or whatever. So we'll just book them and then we'll they'll come out and then it's like, you might be funny for like a couple videos or you might be funny for like 10 minutes, but you got to have 45 because people have paid 20 to $40 a ticket on a Friday night with a two drink minimum. They got a babysitter. They got to the club. They drove maybe 20 minutes across town. They might have had a bad day at work. And now you got to entertain them for 45 minutes. So kind of along those lines of, you know, building an audience and mm -hmm. the original question, like, yes. are you having to change your content? Because people's attention spans are clearly changing with the rise of TikTok and Instagram videos. Are you having to make your, like, shticks shorter and, you know, your punchlines quicker? You have to change everything these days because um, – the, the, I've said this and politics like you said oh, too cancel culture yeah. all that oh um, we'll dive the, into that later yeah, because yeah, yeah, I have yeah. a whole bunch of questions yes. about that the <laughs> only th the, so I enjoy the time on stage I enjoy making people laugh I enjoy I'm gonna say it maybe seeing a cute girl in the crowd be like him uh, <laughs> you know I like people coming up after the show being like oh that was great we had a great mm -hmm. time especially like when you know you're at because oh newsflash people uh, most comedians aren't making jokes up on the spot those are routines that we have been working on for quite some time which is why anytime a heckler says well I was just helping the average comedian wants to go oh thank god you showed up because lord only knows how I was going to fill this 45 minutes I mean what was I going to do this material that I've been working on for the past six seven months a year plus thank goodness your ass showed up and got half drunk because you couldn't handle two long island iced teas and then wanted to contribute to the party <laughs> why don't you go down to children's hospital and see if any of the doctors need help working on those brain aneurysms you want to do that you want to be helpful get out of my face before i slap you rick james style but you can't no do one that wants your feedback <laughs> right you can't do that so um, sorry, I just had like a flashback on that yeah, moment. Uh, you just had a, mo you would do a PTSD <laughs> moment right there. Oh, so much so. I, so now, um, I'm trying to put out more clips. Um, and the thing is, the number, one of the main things that is, is hard as a comic, if you don't live in New York or Los Angeles, you have put yourself behind the eight ball, 
behind the, the, the seven ball, the six, the four, the and the Q, because that is where a large concentration of the industry is. I like having a bed at night. I don't want to sleep in my car. And there you are want plenty to sleep of in comedians. a pizza box? What do you mean? Uh, there are so many comics I know that have been sleeping. Because um, comedy clubs are still paying, on average, the scale they paid in the 1980s. And that's for gas, wow. travel, food, lodging. Like, there, the inflation, yeah, I'm yeah. sure it's hit it's gas prices. Them. I'm sure it's hit the toilet paper shortage. It ain't hit comedy money. Um mm. That's why when people say things like, you should try to get on TV. I'm like, you know, I never thought of that. But I just, I could have never imagined that being on a national media platform would possibly help my appeal. But I live in Cincinnati. The talent scouts for Comedy Central ain't coming through here unless it's on a flight over. I'm not anywhere near Stephen Colbert's people. I'm not even in like a city like, say, a Chicago where they have the improv scene and people from Saturday Night Live have come out. So they'll occasionally get talent scouts. And Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where it's like, okay, you have to figure out what you want the most. And you're talking about like, Patrick, you had mentioned like, you know, political correctness and and, like having to edit content. Yeah. There are certain things. I've always said this. You can tell when someone is talking about something with malice or Mm. are they trying to be provocative or are they? do they have an idea and it's not all the way fleshed out? Those are the three things I look at. Like, mm. if, you're, if you're doing a joke, because I've watched plenty of comedians. Um, how can I say this? I've watched plenty of white comedians use the N-word in a joke. And I'm like, okay, you could have done that joke mm. without that. But that was one of your ways to get to it. Um, I've, mm. I, don't, I personally don't do any jokes about sexual assault. Or anything dealing with the LGBTQIA. I'm sorry if I get the letters wrong. Plus, I'm not good. Yeah, plus, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need them to short. See, here's the only joke I've ever tried to do. I was like, I need y'all to shorten those letters down. You're I like said, the alphabet, and then tell me which right? letters to subtract. I'm like, I'm like, get the letter. I said, look, we good with three letters in America: NBA, CBS. You know what I mean? I'm like, can y'all get that down to three letters? I said, look. I know y'all got a lot of people in the in the in the group, but I need y'all to get this down. To, I said that's why the NAACP ain't successful. It's five letters, and the last two letters, if anybody non-black uses them, now we got a fist fight. But see, but just saying that there'll be some black person that'll listen to this and be like, I can't believe you was because this is a thing. Like, and I know we jumping all over, but we've already warned people. As a comic, at least for myself, I can only speak for myself. Mm-hmm. When I go on stage, my goal is to entertain you, and I might throw out how I feel about something, but even if you don't laugh, you're going to at least appreciate the logic behind it. You cannot please everybody, and I've always said, if you're saying something on stage, you have to be prepared for what someone's reaction to it's going to be. As a single, heterosexual uh, I forget the other term, what it is when you're born, cisgender. See, I, can, I can't Cis, keep up with all yeah. these terms. I'm old, y'all. But as, like, as a, as a We're dude. We're picking up what you're putting down. Yeah, I'm not trying to offend nobody, but there's certain mm-hmm. things that I, and this is my thing. I said, even if you don't agree with somebody, respect them enough to let them live their life. There are mm-hmm. certain things in the world that are weird to me. There are certain things in the world that I do not understand. But if I make a joke about Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, a.k.a. the one of the people mm-hmm. that I would like to say something that would sound slanderous. Even if you voted for that dude, right? Like, I'm going to try and at least respect you enough to leave you alone. But when you go to the polls, I'm hoping you lose because your policies are probably going to hurt other people. 
So there are plenty of things in this world, and the thing is, is that I've come to realize that everybody in this world lives by their own set of rules. The problem is, is that when somebody thinks their set of rules should be the only set of rules. So, so how do we as a society, I guess, then yes. get to the point where we're not canceling people for we being don't, politically And it'll never happen incorrect. because that is not the nature of people. Um, I remember I I, had to, I got to interview George but Carlin. Cancel, but cancel culture, though, is relatively new, though, right? No. Cancel culture is not new. It just has a better out for, uh, outlet and platform now. Multiple pl- mm. platforms. Right. It's a lot easier to critique than it is to create, right? And I'm a firm believer that comedy is one of the greatest ways to get people to not only obviously laugh, but think about challenging situations. Mm-hmm. I love that, that you, Allie. That you've just discussed. Now, kind of going oh, back. I want to I want to go. I want to riff on that a little bit, Allie. Yeah, you know, sure. there have been great sitcoms that, you know, can you could say kind of break down racial barriers. I mean, look yeah. at, you know, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. You're, a, a, you know, God bless his soul. Uh, Bill Cosby, you know, the Cosby show did yeah. do that, right? Yep. They came into these middle class white homes and showed a whole different perspective that, you know, people aren't t- traditionally, you know, exposed to. So I think they're, how do we get back to the, I guess those kinds of comedies where it's like it was comedy for good? Well, don't know. <laughs> and and I'm like, but I'm also wondering, is it happening and we're just not seeing it because there's so much stuff out there well, that our the algorithm thing. is pushing a that's certain perspective? And that's well, that would be my actual well, question. Two things on that, and I'll try to address both. Um, yeah. For one, we have so much media now that you it's can find what you want to watch. I want to kind of backtrack a little bit. What advice can you give to someone who might be looking to get into stand-up today? Well, there's a couple of things, because this is not the first time I have been asked this question. Mm -hmm. First, why do you want to do stand-up? Now, with anything that you do, why is a big question. I jog. Is it because I want to jog? No, it's because (laughs) I'm fat. And I don't want to be fatter. And you uh, like cake, that's why. Yes. Oh, I have so many jokes about how I love sugar. So ask yourself why. I exercise so that I can stay somewhat healthy because when I'm older, I want my mobility and I want my mind. You know, watching older family members mm-hmm. at certain points in life, I'm like, oh, I don't want to be in that position. Get those so I work out going. so I can have my mobility and I try to exercise the brain so I can have my mind. Some people enjoy cooking because when they cook, it makes them feel like they're needed. They get a chance to have people over. They get to provide a good meal. They get the satisfaction from the people cooking. Ask yourself why you want to do stand-up. Do I have something I have a burning need to say? Am I just trying to get famous? Is this a means to an end? Do I want to get into TV writing or acting and I can use this as a bridge? Like a lot of people don't even know this. You know Michael Keaton was a comic, right? No, no. no. Yep, Batman. Know that. Yeah, Did Michael know Keaton that. started off wow. as a stand-up comic, uh, wow. just like David Letterman, just like Craig T. Nelson, aka Mr. Incredible, and the guy from the TV show Coach, which is before yeah, y'all yeah. time. A lot of people started off doing stand-up comedy. Like there's clips of uh, oh, I, my man uh, Ed Helms started doing some stand-up. Andy Samberg did stand-up. Uh, I mean, there's a ton of people uh, that started off doing comedy. So it can be a launching pad to other things. So ask yourself why. Second, ask yourself how much commitment you want to put in. 
Um, mm-hmm. A lot of clubs these days, like, there's a couple of chains. They use booking agencies, and you got to get in with one of those agencies. Are you willing to go to a festival? Yeah, you can't expect people to come to you. I have driven... I have performed in I have performed in California, Washington, Iowa, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Alabama, Kentucky, Tennessee, Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, yeah, Texas, Kansas, Arkansas, Alabama. Um, but it's like you know trying to get the name out there and trying to build it up because it's kind of like looking for a job because when you're trying to get booked, it's like trying to find a job. And you know this, it's easier to find a job when you already have a job, which is one mm-hmm. of those terrible, weird parallels of life. But it's like, right. somebody else wants them, I want them too. It's kind of like if you're dating and people are like, hey, somebody wants them, I want them now too. It's like if you're, it's like when someone says you're too available. It's like, what? Mm. Well, yeah, yeah. What the hell does that mean? Exactly. It's the dumbest shit possible. Um, but uh, So get yourself yes. out there is what you're saying. Like physically yes. get yourself out get there. Get yourself out there. You're going to perform. You're going to do some terrible gigs. You're going to be in some places. You're, you're going to be in bars where they have TV still playing while you're trying to do your set. You're going to be in places where people are going to be on their phone, not caring. Maybe they'll look up every once in a while. They're not going to care. You're going to have mm. drunk people. Uh, don't try to do crowd work before you... It, some people have been doing comedy 20 plus years and don't do crowd work. That ain't for everybody. Uh, that's a certain skill. Uh, I'll put you this way. Teachers are good at crowd work because we have to improvise. I taught for seven years. And I have jokes about it. But teachers have mm-hmm. to improvise with unruly people that don't want to be there half the time. But don't go... I, I hate when, I, when somebody says, I'm just going to go up there and talk. I'm like, oh, you're going to go up there and bomb because you have nothing to say. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and you need to have something to say when you go up. I talk about whatever I see that's funny. But as I said before, like I don't really do jokes about sexual assault. I don't do jokes about you know other topics. You got to know what you're going to say. You got to have a point of view. You got to be unique. And then lastly, you got to be willing. You got to actually kind of love it. You can't half-ass it. You really can't. Like Some people will go up on stage and yeah, they just want to go up and say they've done, a, you know, they want to go up every once in a while. Someone told them they were funny at the office party uh, pre-COVID mm-hmm. uh, or whatever. And they just want to, you know, that's fine. Uh, but if you're going to try to really make this, you're going to be working on jokes. I keep a post. I keep posting notes in the car. I type notes into my phone. I yeah, can yeah, get the grocery Let's elaborate store. on that a little yeah. bit more, too, because like yes. you said, there are certain topics that you do not touch on mm-hmm. um if i really felt like else. i had something i would but for the yeah. most part i'm like mm. i guess what are some of those things you know people might be passionate about xyz um topics but they don't really know how to begin to write a joke or even but they they're they're almost there like they they are funny but they want to try and they want to give it a go what advice could you give them whether it's Hey, constantly jotting things down on post-it notes, or mm-hmm. hey, here's a, a template that's worked for me. You well, it's kind of like snowflakes because no two snowflakes are alike, mm-hmm. um, and there are a lot of jokes that have premises that are familiar. For example, I talk about dating, right? I talk about dating yeah. apps. Uh, everybody knows what they are, and there's a bunch of jokes. What can I say that's unique to me? What, in my experience, is unique to me that might be relatable to other people? Is it something that happened to me that someone says, I can see why that would be embarrassing, but it's funny now. Is it something where someone's like, oh my gosh, I've seen that. I just haven't had anybody, I haven't heard anybody say it the way that they said it. Mm. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. Chris Rock, 
I used, one of the reasons I started doing stand-up because I got tired of watching Chris Rock get paid to say what I was thinking. <laughs> Chris Rock has a joke, which in COVID, I it just seems so much more relevant to me. He's talked about how he said, there's no money in uh, in cures. There's money in medicine. <laughs> because if you mm-hmm. keep selling the medicine, yeah, that's how you make the profit. He said, you know, yeah. the last thing we cured was polio. And we ain't curing nothing because they made about all the money they lost curing polio. <laughs> and it's like, there's no, like, so, and I thought about this. COVID test kits are out of stock everywhere. Oh, yeah. Can't find them. They're gone everywhere because people were like well you know and it's like we got people that don't want to get the vaccines versus people that do want to get the vaccine Mm -hmm. and all the other problems so like yeah that's a hot button issue yeah i can talk about that and it's like remember how like the mass remember how mass last summer were on clearance at like target because people were like oh we're done with these now yeah now and, and, and it's almost—it's almost like you're saying you're fi- you're finding like nuances to yes. everyday life that and that is um, and, and that is what I was getting that's what I was hinting at is that you have yeah. to find a nuance mm. and so, when I'm on stage I try to make it feel like a conversation with the audience like a conversation with a friend that I'm in complete control of. No, I know I I don't want to like beat a dead horse because we talked about this whole like TikTok girl. That's all I do too. is beat dead horses. But here's the <laughs> that's thing: like, I know general, you're like right? I don't like TikTok, social media. That's just me. No, yeah, I know that's just you. I know yes. that's just you. But yes. I it, there's got to be some sort of overlap and and lane for someone like you on the TikToks. That yes, you're still getting out there and you're still on stage oh, yeah. and you're still practicing and getting those reps in. But why? I have to ask. Then yes. Why aren't you also trying to push more on, on the TikToks of the world? Is it just because it's overwhelming, or? I I would give you. I would give you one bitter simple about it. An- No, no. <laughs> I would give you one simple reason. It's called a clock, because a clock tells you the time, and the amount of time that it takes to properly mm-hmm. build many things. I already work on a podcast. Mm -hmm. I already work on writing jokes and not just doing the same act for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. I also work on trying to book all the people from my podcast, edit my podcast, put social media clips out. Mm -hmm. And it's like, I could add another social media channel. And this may be something that I need to try and I may have, I remember that before I said like, why are you doing something and how much you have to love it? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I am trying to get more clips out on Instagram. I'm trying to get more clips out on YouTube and more on Facebook. Uh, when I do shows, I pass out cars that have like my social media. Here's how you can find me here. I select mm-hmm. clips from my act to put online so that way they get an idea of what I'm like, but they don't get the full thing, so they'll still pay. Can't get the, what is that whole milking cow for free thing? Um, <laughs> so, you know, I am trying to do a lot. The only yeah. thing I have, the thing for me is, my thing with the TikTok people is not so much the performers, it's the audience. Because though some people, they only want like those little short things, but then they'll go to a club and they'll try to support that person. But then those people fizzle out because there's not, there's maybe like one or two people that are really doing that great from it. Because it's like the idea of come and go. Remember how I said we build you up to watch you fall? Mm. There's so many rappers that I've watched that have had like a great big hit and then they're gone. Um, and it's just like with TV shows. Um, I don't want to say the person's name, but because um, I'm not trying to talk trash about him, but 
Do you remember that show Heroes on NBC a couple years ago? Yeah. Oh, I remember seeing promos for it, but I never yeah, watched it. Yeah, that was like it. Hayden Panier. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the Na- was that the ha- Nashville? No. That- no, this okay. was like, they all like somehow got superpowers last night. Oh, night yeah, 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 yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was the cheerleader kind yep. of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like I'm not- two seasons. Right. Like, what was the last thing that you saw most of anybody from that cast that's not named Zachary Quinto doing? Absolutely. I mean, absolutely nothing. Hating. Well, I also did. Yeah, I don't really watch the show. So I Here's why I say that. You can be very talented and you can have a hit thing. But if you just keep jumping from this thing to that thing to that thing to that thing, mm. you're not establishing any roots in anything. Mm. And are you really getting that good at it? And how much is it really helping you? So you're talking about commitment. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's the thing that most people between the ages of 20 to 40 have fear of in relationships now. 100%. <laughs> so I am trying to make commitments to certain things. And it's like I, my goal every year is to try to get into at least two new comedy clubs. Or mm-hmm. I'm going to have to start applying for certain festivals. But I'm trying to get more clips out. My next addition to that, yes. what can, I guess non-comedian comedians or non-wannabe comedians learn from the comedy world a couple of things art imitates life so when you watch people on stage they're talking about stuff as we talked about earlier we were we went from like the goofy happy stuff to we got real super serious and then somebody somebody's writing an angry email uh i don't know hopefully not to me i tried uh but yeah people are insane because people some people like being angry like some oh, people, people get people get joy out of just yes. poking the fire. Yep, and it's like, like what? we like watching people fail. In all honesty, like mm-hmm. I mean, okay, who watches The Bachelor or The Bachelorette and goes, "Man, I hope they fall in love." I think it depends on who you're talking to. No, I know. No. I have some friends who are like, "Oh my gosh, I love X Y Z together." Like, Girl, no, you, no, what? they don't. No, they don't. Like. <laughs> <laughs> you be you would be so there are a lot of women out there that feel that way. Um, a lot of women. Here's why here's there, why there's a reason why they're on season one million. Oh, I, I know it's the same reason people you know, they're on season one million for the same reason that Survivor is. We yeah. like to watch people be cutthroat and petty and then we and this is what we do. We go, <laughs> if I was in that situation, I would reality TV, baby. Yep. And you know how I learned this, and this isn't even a joke, and I, if I was a, probably a better comic, I would work on this as a joke. You know why I know that most people are terrible, especially when it comes to this? Because the real world on MTV, right? Did they when they uh, fir- when they first showed the real world? What was in the trailers? Was it these people are going to have serious discussions on race, sexuality, gender no, roles? Of course not. It was people throwing pillows, drunk, doing naked laughs. Drunk. <laughs> when Jersey Shore came out, what intellectualism was from Jersey Shore? You know what we learned? We learned about gym, tan, and laundry. That's right. That show ain't been relevant in what eight years, and I still Mm-mm. remember GTL. I know that, and I got a permanent tan. And they I still have a show. They still yeah, have a show, right? <laughs> and we like terrible. We like terrible. So we like. So here's the thing. 
we like to root for some people that we feel deserve. We like to root for people that we feel deserve better. So we like to watch that person on American Idol. That's why they tell you the backstory. Meet Thomas Davis. He's a third shift grocery clerk who has diabetes and is missing a foot, but that didn't stop him from getting to the stage to live out his dreams. And then you see Thomas and you're like, oh, he sings so well. And then you say, now meet Mallory Jane. She's an 18 year old TikTok star. And then she goes up and she bombs and people are like, Boo! So, but but if Tom makes it real big, we can't wait to hate on him for getting too big for his britches or thinking he's better than us now. Because we love to root for the see, underdog really and tear people is, down. I, I don't know. Like I don't sit here on the sidelines like hoping that somebody fails. That's because I, you're I, a good I, person. Have you met the rest of America? Yeah, but at the same time, unfortunately not, and I really don't want to. Um, but at the same time, I like to believe that I'm not the only one that's over here like, oh, we want to see everybody fail. But what, where I push back is I think we just really like drama. Yeah. Right? We're, we're, we like drama. And I think yes. there's also a lot of people online who just who just like to stir the pot to stir the pot, mm -hmm. whether they meet it or not, whatever. And I think a lot of people do take it personally, which then leads me to kind of what you said before of in addition to – you know, all the things and the mindset you have to have when you go up on stage mm -hmm. as a comedian. Yep. I just feel like there's a part of you just got to leave. You you do have to leave some of that niceness at the, out the, at the door. Like, you yeah. got to check that a little bit. Oh, and, yeah. The closing and, joke. And, and, and know that yep. you're an entertainer. Yep. The closing joke yeah. on my second album is a 16-minute true story that I, I had never intended to talk about on stage. I was doing a show at my home comedy club, and there was a group of eight frat dudes on the left side of the stage who I think they had that thing of, we're going to be the stars of the show tonight, and we're going to be super funny, and the audience is going to like us more than the comics, to which I said... Uh, to which I said, you can go for unlawful carnal knowledge yourself. And if you know what that's an acronym for, there you go. Uh, snuck it in on everybody. Um, and they were being just so stupid. And I was like, nah. I said, you might be in shape. You might be like 6'3", but I have the mic. This is where I'm going to shine. And now I'm about to shut you down the way that uh, B-Rabbit shut down Papa Doc in 8 Mile. Because once again, <laughs> that's where my battle rap skills come in. So I was mm -hmm. doing, and I, I started talking to them about how they were just being rude and obnoxious. And then I told this story about how I went to a movie screening and there were these two young ladies. And I'm only calling them ladies because what I want to say is not podcast appropriate. Uh, mm. They came in late just being loud, being unruly, just being... A bunch of uh, female socially dogs. Socially unaware. Yeah. Uh, no, socially unaware would have been an upgrade. They was acting like bitches. Uh, I said it. I couldn't hold it back. And I just, I told a whole story about that. And it's like, and I, when I was telling her, I'm like, ladies, you're about to be upset with me for like five minutes. But at the end, you're going to see how I'm the hero of this story. So you, you have to have an opinion. You have to be bold enough to say what you want to say. You just have to know that there can be repercussions from that. Mm -hmm. and you had to be prepared for it. Mm -hmm. and so, okay, that kind of goes back to life imitating art, what mm -hmm. you mentioned, like, non-comedians can learn, like, yeah. hey, like, you could be opinionated, you can say what you want to say, but, you know, you got to think about all yep. potential outcomes as and well. And it's just like, this is like, okay, people come out to a club, unless you're known as a political comedian, unless you're known as a certain type of comic, like, unless you, unless you talk about, like, nothing but, like, sex and, like, hardcore, dirty, oh my gosh, I can't believe they would say that in public into a microphone type of stuff, 
you have to be like, you know, your job on stage is to entertain. If you can educate mm. at the same time, that's a bonus. Unless, of course, that's what you do. And that's the thing. Dave Chappelle kind of went from like the goofy smoking weed dude to like America's political commentator. But then he hit something that is not politically acceptable or the way he was presenting it isn't the way that a lot of people feel, but it is also the way a lot of people feel. So now people are like in a weird like, ooh. I guess my last question. Yes. Um, what can we do as a city to support comedians better? Oh, my man with a good closing positive question that can actually help people. Man, I'm glad you won the show, Patrick. Uh this, this, thank you for that question. I'm Allie's conscience. So. Yeah, I'm just here to, I'm here to tear us all down. Oh. I'm here to knock some reality into you. Oh. So there are several things that people can do. Uh, as I mentioned before, when like people's... Oh, here's another thing you should never say to a comic. When's your next show? Nine times out of ten, when someone says, when's your next show, I feel like going, why? So you cannot go to that one too? Because uh now, is that just your own bitterness, to be honest? No, ask comedians. Ask okay. us. I'll believe you. Trust me. Ali, you can ask be the us. guinea pig. Go ask a no, few. No, <laughs> let me know how Here's it goes the thing. for you. Ali has <laughs> Ali has come to a show. Ali has come out to a show and been supportive. Um I I cannot tell you how many people I really can't tell you how many people will be like, Oh, I, I saw your post, but I couldn't make it and I'm like, Well, I have a website that has everywhere I'm going to be in the continental United States. I also post. I also have sent text messages to people. Like, there's one person that I can think of in particular that in the last six months has asked me when my next show is three times, and they've missed ten of them. So to support local comics, uh, there's a couple of things. One, um, so go to the comedy clubs and buy a ticket. Um, when I say buy a ticket, a lot of clubs make their money on the food and the drinks that they sell. Uh, the mm -hmm. reason that a lot of clubs have that minimum is because otherwise people would just sit there and, you know, not do anything. And there are servers that are trying to make money, you know, and they're trying to get their money through their tips. They have lights they have to pay. And as you as we talked about before, with those mm -hmm. pay scales, I've, I know what some comedians were making. When I used to work at the Inquirer, I got to see what some comedians were making for a weekend. And these are your headliners, like the real yeah. big people. The reason, one reason they couldn't pay the underlings is that I know how much they were paying. And this is like 2006, where I'm seeing somebody that's getting $30,000 for a weekend. But go to, go to shows and buy tickets, you know, buy merchandise. Um, if you see a comic, uh, you know, buy their merch, whether it's a t-shirt, a CD, mm -hmm. things of that nature. Um, and uh, be willing to give people a chance. Um, you go. You can go to an open mic night. Everyone's not gonna be funny. That's just a fact yeah. of life. But maybe there'll be somebody there that you be like. I saw them way back when. Yeah. Cause I saw a lot of people before they got big. I'll tell you this. I am like the good luck Chuck for a lot of comics because I've opened for so many people that within like a year and a half of me opening for them, for whatever reason, they just blew up and went on to bigger things. Like, I opened for Billy Gardell like a year and a half before he got Mike and Molly. I opened for, like, Little Rail like a year and a half before he got in Get Out and got his show on Fox and everything else. I'm just like, so, like, You're hey. Like I, I know it's like, hey, if nothing else, maybe I don't get to be a star, but I could be, like, somebody's hype man where I get to be, like, the dude that's next to the dudes, like, and I can get steady paychecks that way, but... 
So with all of that said, when's your next show? No, I'm just kidding. Where, where, Tavari, where can people find you to see your full lineup of shows? Yes. And if they want to also check out your podcast, too. Yes. So um, if you can spell my first name, which has been a challenge for four plus decades on this planet for many, many people. <laughs> if you can spell T-A-B-A-R-I and then McCoy with a M-C-C-O-Y, you don't even have to capitalize the second C. If you can go to TabariMcCoy.com, I have film review links there. I have podcast links there. You can check out my episodes with Ali, which are always a good time. Um, You can check out where I will be, where you can literally click on See Me Live and see where you can see me live. I have two albums out, which if you don't want to buy physical CDs, because I know that those are now like coasters for most people. (laughs) Yeah, what are they? I have a... (laughs) I I don't remind me. I still have so many of those to get out of my basement. Um, But I, uh, I have my albums there online. You can purchase those at Amazon or Spotify. Uh, listen to Tabari McCoy Radio on Pandora, which is a channel I created. Um, email me, Tabari at TabariMcCoy.com. I have done a lot of gigs because I spend too much money and I'm trying to get my name out there. So I have done a show in a former, I think it was a tire discounters. It was a company's holiday party in Springfield, <laughs> oh, Kentucky. My God. I performed inside of what I think used to be a tire discount. It was not like an independent, but there were I said there were literal like that. tires up and it was in a real small town and the only thing that was black besides me were the streets and even those were kind of gray. So. <laughs> well on that note, <laughs> Tavari, thank you so so yes, so much. Thank this you has so been much, Tavari. So oh no problem. I hope that people if you're still listening, thank you. If you quit a while ago and you came back, thank you. <laughs> and if you quit altogether, um I hope you I hope I hope you get broken up with. <laughs> Don't come back. <laughs> All the stories. And, you know, I think that brings up a good point. Like, he mentioned life imitates art. Um, and, you know, art imitates life. And so definitely he gets his art from life and his life stories. And I think yeah. the beauty that everyday people who are not comedians like myself or, or you uh, is to look at the, you know, the the humorous side of things in just mm-hmm. the day to day, especially coming into the new year, uh, finding the humor, even when, you know, it is the doldrums of winter and, you know, COVID, all that fun stuff. It's sometimes you just got to look at the funny side of life. And I think that's my biggest yeah. takeaway. That reminds me of a quote I once was told. And that quote was, take what you do seriously. Don't take yourself seriously. No matter what you do, what industry you're in, do what you're doing to the best of your abilities, but also make sure that you're having fun doing it, especially when it comes to comedy, right? Your, your goal is to entertain people and make people laugh. So I would sure hope that someone who is doing comedy is having fun as well up on stage. Uh, but in order to get better, On stage, you have to physically be there and you have to get behind a mic and you have to practice and you have to write down your thoughts and you have to write down your ideas and it just takes rep after rep after rep in order to get better. Well, from a business perspective, right? Like the best business people got have gotten their, you know, successes by putting in the time and the effort and, you know, I guess be figuring out their why, uh, which he brought up, you know, why do you want to go into comedy? You know, people have found out at least in business or wherever they are in their life, their why and that's kind of what leads them to be successful. So I think that's another takeaway that I think any anyone who is, you know, just 
you know, living. <laughs> yeah, knowing your why and mm. not only knowing your why, but being mm. able to articulate your why, which is articulating an opinion. And if you have the ability to get up on stage and make a point and make a statement and also make people laugh, I applaud you mm. because that truly, it's really hard to do. And I envy those people. And hopefully we get to the point where, you know, everyone can... I guess, learn to laugh a little uh, and realize, you know, hey, there not everyone's going to be malicious and intent, especially in jokes. And yeah. uh, we talked about that a little bit in, on a serious side of things. And being willing to listen to other people's perspectives and also knowing that it's okay that you might not agree with everybody else's perspective. Ali and I will try to be open-minded when reading your reviews of our podcast. Um, so please go do so rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts and now on Spotify as well. So go rate us on Spotify. I think we only have like one rating there so far. So go Please. go pump all those numbers up. <laughs> um, and <laughs> and uh, yes, that, that just started like a couple weeks ago. So we're grateful for that one rating. So uh, go out there. Please uh, rate and review us. Reach out to us at hosts at whenpigsfly.fm or uh, any of our social media uh, channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, feel free, reach us directly there. Uh, and then, Ali, what most importantly should they be doing? Tell a friend, tell a family, tell a loved one, tell the person next to you on the streetcar. It does truly help us out, and we appreciate it. <laughs> and on that note, cheers. cheers. And here's some necessary legal stuff. Allie Martin and Patrick Bailey developed the When Pigs Fly podcast in collaboration with the Up Company LLC. At the time of this recording, we do not own equity or any financial interest in the companies which appear on the show unless otherwise indicated. All opinions expressed by podcast participants are solely their own opinion and do not reflect the opinions of the EW Scripts Company and its affiliates or Generator Management LLC and its affiliates or any entity which employs us. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. We have not considered your specific financial situation nor provided any investment or legal advice on the show. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you next week. We also wanna give a shout out to Claire and Christian of Moonbow. They're the two artists of our intro song, which is so catchy and gets stuck in our heads all the time. So bop over to Spotify or wherever you find your music and give them a listen. And Like the Night by Moonbow is courtesy of Silver Lake Sync. <laughs>